Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Tennis fans to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vilander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. Today it's a special edition of KickServe Rocks as the boys blend the worlds of tennis and rock and roll. So, take it away, AZ. And take it away, I will. Welcome, everybody, to a very special KickServeRadio.com. And, of course, we are part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. And tonight, we've got a very special new segment of KickServeRadio.com, and we're calling it KickServe Rocks. And in order for you to have a show that's got the name Rocks in it, you kind of need to have a rock star as part of the show. And, of course, Matt Vlander. You are our resident rock star, but even you would admit that the guy that's joining us now is a rock star of extraordinary proportion. He's been with us once before, and now we're hoping that this becomes a little bit more of a regular occasion. And I speak of none other than the lead singer for REO Speedwagon, Kevin Cronin. He is back ever since our chance meeting at Indian Wells in 2023. Kevin, welcome back. It's so great to see you and great to have you with us. Oh, man, good to see you, AZ. Good to see you, Matt. Uh, from those humble beginnings at the, at the BMP uh, evolves uh, some, some, uh, some nice friendships that just keep getting better. So I'm, I'm happy to be part of this thing with you guys. So, Kevin, what we want to try to do is, is we talked when we were together before about how, you know, rock stars would love to be tennis pros and tennis pros would love to be rock stars. And in the case of people like John McEnroe and Matt Spielander, maybe they do both. But what we want to also try to do is, is teach a few things about why the two really do have some substantive overlap. And the, the topic that Matt and I want to talk to you about tonight is the subject of confidence. And in tennis and in sports, we obviously know as athletes that confidence is our number one weapon. When we have it, we feel like we can do anything. And when we don't, we don't feel like we can do anything. And our question to you to start with is, is it the same for a performer of your caliber? Are there just nights when you go out there and you feel like I've never been any better than this, and I'm not really sure why. And other nights where you're like, man, I'm just not feeling it. And if so, what can you do to put yourself back into the zone? Does it work that way, performing the way it does in sports? That last part of the question is really the most important part because, you know, we're, we're all human beings as, as, as much as, as we've had some success and we've worked hard to, to, to kind of master our craft, you still have better days than others. And I will tell you this, and Matt, maybe you can relate, but there are times when I'm, I'm having an especially inspired performance and 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 then maybe at some point during the concert 
in a in a weak moment, it will occur to me that, and I'll go, wow, I'm real, I'm kicking ass tonight. The minute I think that, that's the minute it all <laughs> falls apart, and I'm like, and I'm gone, you know. And now, now the question becomes, what do you do when that happens? How do you regain? confidence if if something has distracted you whether it's in your own mind or you know someone in the audience you know, a fight breaks out in the, right, in the right. crowd and, and you know next thing you know you're thinking about breaking up this fight in but you're in the middle of a tennis match or in the middle of a concert so i think that's really that's the key it's like you know it's like how do you how do you get yourself back on track and uh you know that's a that's a really great question i think as a singer, it becomes kind of a, you know, you, you learn some tools over the years of how to kind of press the reset button in your in your brain. And, you know, there are certain tricks to to singing, which is singing is kind of essentially about breathing. And normally, if you get distracted, the first thing that goes is your breathing. And when your breathing goes, that you know, you can be standing there on stage thinking, "Wait, I, I hit that note every night. What what happened there?" You know, and what I've learned, you know, kind of recently is that that it's all about the breathing. So you reset your breathing. So I think whatever it is that you do, whether it's tennis, music, whatever, you're going to have those moments where your confidence gets shaken, and you have to. You have to establish some some tricks of the trade that you know to pull yourself out in those situations. So, Kevin, that's unbelievably interesting because obviously, as a tennis player, and I never did it. Um, and great to be with you guys because I haven't actually said anything. So nice. So we can make a noise if we listen to Carlos Alcaraz or let's go Maria Sharapova. The reason why they're grunting is because they're breathing. They're reminding of breathe out as you're hitting the ball, breathing just before. Be, sound very weird if, if you, Kevin, are out there on stage and you're making a grunting noise between between words and sentences. So, <laughs> so obviously much easier for tennis player. But, but when you mentioned that, so in in terms of confidence, so if you take a tennis match, when you're winning, I always, I hear these these quotes that will never change your winning tactics. And I always said, no, no, no. When you're winning, you need to keep changing your tactics because the other guy will catch on at some point. And because you're winning, you have a bit of time and a bit of wiggle room to maybe screw up a couple of things. But you're changing the the, the look of the match, not just for you, hopefully not too much, but for your opponent. So for you guys, you say you, you lose it, let's say. Uh, and it could be in the middle of a song or the end of a song. So, so how do you alter... Your sort of mindset by singing differently going forwards? Do you involve the crowd more? Do you sort of start jumping up and down? I mean, how do you snap yourself out of it if it at all is physical? You know, sometimes if, if I'm having a, uh, you know, if I, my confidence gets shaken during a certain song, when the guitar solo comes up, I have a chance to kind of regroup. And, you know, and one of the toughest songs for me to sing every night is, of course, my most popular song ever, Can't Fight This Feeling, right? And uh, so sometimes if I'm having a, a tough time with it, it, again, it's all about the breathing. And as much as I know that, I still, after 50 years, screw it up, you know, and but, but when the guitar solo comes, 
You, you, if you ever see us play, and I'm I'm giving away a trade secret here, but I'll uh, but I'm not so I'm not playing guitar in that song. So I'll take my mic stand, I'll turn my back to the audience, bring the mic stand back closer to the drum riser, and 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 let let our guitar player Dave have the stage. So it looks like I'm doing this dramatic stage move when really what I'm doing is turning my back to the audience. And just recalibrating my breathing. You know, if you're ever at an REO show and you see me with my back to the audience, you know, I'm not sitting there grooving with Brian. I'm sitting there trying to figure out my stuff and get, get it back together. So, Kevin, when you turn your back to the crowd, you're not paying homage to Jim Morrison. Okay, we know no. that now. Okay, very good. <laughs> so, uh, we talk about the breathing, and 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 as I hear you guys talking about that, and what a brilliant lesson that is to to any athlete, but particularly tennis players, to be able to sort of calm themselves and, and and regain their strength. And the same thing goes. But now let's talk about rhythm because that's something that as tennis players we always like to feel like we're we're practicing in rhythm. And I got to believe that the rhythm that you guys are are playing within, that's got to be the drummer is everything, right? So the drummer is the guy that sort of sets you guys up for success to kind of find the rhythm. And does everybody sort of play around the drummer? Is he the epicenter of what is happening on stage? I mean, the lead singer is obviously the front man, but the drummer seems like he's he's the backbone. Well, here, here's the thing. The I would I would put forth that really what it what it comes from is the rhythm guitar. Okay. Because because the rhythm guitar, uh, you know, that's at least for me, that's where the songs come from. You know, that, that when I write a song, it's I'm playing an acoustic guitar, and and no matter what song of Ariel Speedwagons that that you want to hear, um, you know, the, there's there's a you know, big guitar amps, bass amps, all the all the drums, everything. But it all comes down to I could take any Ario Speedwagon song, pick up a guitar, an acoustic guitar, and sing it for you right here, and you get it because that's the, that's the that's really the the basis of the song and the drums come from the rhythm guitar. Right. Yeah, the rhythm guitar is going drums going but it comes from the rhythm guitar and and I would love to take this moment to ask Matt's and and maybe you too AZ because I always hear about athletes you know being in rhythm and as a musician being in rhythm means something to me i i'm you know to me rhythm is everything you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i couldn't play a guitar solo to save my life but rhythm rhythm guitar okay i you know i'll 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 st- step forward and say you know that's something i i can i feel it comes naturally i've always been able to do it but what does it mean to when 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 a, when a tennis player says I was really in rhythm during this particular match. What does that mean? I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, so actually what you hear more is guys say that I couldn't find my rhythm. Right. Find your rhythm in tennis, you don't think about it, but when you feel a little little off, and to me, rhythm in practice is easy because you keep hitting the ball back and forth, and, and you, even if you miss, you can keep the ball in play. But in a match, rhythm uh, is is really understanding 
uh, and, and getting a, the anticipation part. When you play against someone like a Rafa Nadal, who has that enormous amount of topspin, that rhythm is so hard to find because if you're a, a moment late, his forehand with the topspin, it bounces over your head. Novak Djokovic's rhythm is easily the best rhythm that I've ever seen on a tennis court. Federer was more graceful, but Djokovic, the way that he hits the ball and how early he takes it, he has to find his rhythm of knowing when do I take a 45-degree angle to attack the ball? When do I realize, oh, I don't have time to do that? Well, the time to realize is actually before my opponent hits. Because if you react after he's hit, you're done. Now you're taking too big a risk. So it's a little bit like the soccer goalie at a, at a, at a right. uh, penalty kick. You got to go early. Because <laughs> if you go late, you can still get the ball back and play most of the time. But now you're defending three or four times in a row and you're going to lose the point 19 times out of 20. So that's rhythm. But there comes confidence. Because confidence is not only about hitting the ball clean. Confidence is about making the right anticipated move, reading your opponent, and therefore you find your rhythm. So I haven't found my rhythm in about 30 years, Kevin, so I'm really speaking uh, out of place here. But I do remember certain times when it was like, wow, this is too fun, too easy. And then you're, you, you, then you come into the zone part, and now you're not, you're not thinking. You're just reacting to, to anything that's happening. And somehow not thinking makes you a very smart tennis player. If you know what you're doing. Yeah. Before we go to break, guys, Kevin, I will answer on my own behalf, which is that I was I was so good at setting rhythm as a hitter that I became a guy that was never going to win a tennis match because I people loved playing against me because the ball that I gave them. And in fact, one person, Meredith McGrath, who played at Stanford, was four in the world in doubles and 18 in the world in singles, we would hit and she'd go, God, Andy, you know what? And I was thinking she was going to give me this nice compliment and she did. And she goes, you would have been a nice sparring partner on the women's tour. And, 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 you know, and Matt's is cracking up hysterically. I had no problem with it to this day. Like, weren't you wearing a skirt the first time we met? When I, I, I think my maybe a, just a tank top and my legs were shaved, okay. but I don't think. No, that was a skirt, maybe, Kevin. <laughs> All right. On that note, why don't we go to break? We'll come back. We are with the one and only Kevin Cronin. This is Kick Serve Rocks. This is Rockstar Tennis tonight. We're part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. More with Kevin Cronin, Matt's NAZ right after this. Hey, tennis fans, it's Sarah Z here, and I want to make sure that you've got the BNP Paribas Open on your travel radar. March 6th through 17th at the Indian Wells Gardens. Go to bnpparibasopen.com and make your plans today. It is a tennis extravaganza you don't want to miss. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. And I had to catch my breath at the end of that last segment when Kevin Cronin accused me of wearing a skirt on the grounds in public at Indian Wells. I assure you it wasn't true, uh, but maybe now it should be going forward. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So we're, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're making this connection between rock and roll and tennis. And, and Kevin, I have to tell you that I, I, I did a Google search tonight just to make sure that we had plenty of good content. And I saw an article on... Tennis players who think they are rock stars, not not tennis players who wish they were rock stars, but tennis players who think they are rock stars. <laughs> and I'm sure you can only imagine who topped that list, which was John McEnroe. Yeah. And you've watched him play. I watched him just the other night. We had him in Denver with his Johnny Smythe band and the music was actually quite good. He doesn't have your pipes. Not many people do, but it was it was fun. Then they had. Uh, obviously Yannick Noah was on the list. Uh, he was, a uh, oftentimes an opponent of Matt's. And I think we would all agree that he is a true rock star. Pat Cash was on the list and Matt Vlander was on the list, Kevin. And the comment was Matt's clearly enjoyed his lifestyle after tennis. But I do have to say that there have been worse renditions of, knocking on heaven's door I, and which Matt's kind of like me saying you'd be a good sparring partner on the women's tour. Matt's took that as a nice compliment as I would suspect he should. Absolutely. Wait, but what about, what about the late great Vetus Gerolitis? I mean, come yeah. on. Excellent mention. He was actually the start for tennis players to even start thinking about carrying a guitar with you traveling, yeah. which was so brilliant. Yeah. He was the first. Yeah, but you went on tour, right, Matt? Didn't you do? Uh, didn't you tell me that you uh, actually uh... a month in Sweden and we released a little record? But really, I was only up doing that because I wanted to be on a tour bus. I wanted to have a beer sponsor. Uh, that's that was it. We got fifty bucks a, a, a pop per person each night, and we did twenty nights. And the band was having a great time. And uh, but um, but so Kevin, nerves. I was just going to ask you that because uh, nerves. For me, if I go and part of a golf tournament, the people are watching me hit a golf ball, I get so nervous. Whereas tennis, I could walk on now and play in front of 15,000 people and play some doubles. And I'm not going to get nervous. I know I'm I'm terrible at tennis right now, but I'm not nervous. So, But where does that come from? Because why, why do people or me or you get nervous about something that everybody knows you're shit at basically <laughs> you're not going to be a great tennis player you know that kevin cronin he might be good but still there's no comparison to obviously but why do we have these where do these nerves come from where we're, we're expectations that people are going to think you're a great tennis player or me as a musician or a golfer where, where does that come from why are we when we're performing in front of so many people and then suddenly such a little thing as hitting a tennis ball even if you whiff it no one cares well, I, I mean, my gut is that, you know, that, that you and I both uh, have experienced the, the sensation of walking out in front of thousands of people 
and doing the thing that we do best with with a great deal of confidence that that it takes to have gotten to that point where, where you can do what you do best in front of a large group of people. So if you are now uh, walking in in front of that uh, of a similarly large group of people, but you're not a master at, at what you're doing, I think it's just the the difference between really knowing what you're doing and just wishing that you knew what you were doing that that you know that's the that's the killer right there you know i think a layman like myself might just chime in and go you know these are first world problems of egomaniacs talking to one another i mean i i, I I'm just that's just you have to be supremely confident in my mind thinking i've never been that confident in anything in my life so what does that feel like to begin with but yeah i think it's just that you guys have reached levels of success in your but AC. But, but, but AZ, check it out. Okay. You know, conf- we're talking about confidence here. Right. And confidence doesn't grow on trees. Nope. To me, confidence comes from, from t- at least to some degree, a fear of, of falling on your face. I mean, you right. know, I, I, I've talked to you about this, this residency show that, that I've been working on all year for Ario Speedwagon in Las Vegas. It's coming up. And... But some of the things that I'm going to be attempting to do in this show are things that I've never had the confidence to do in my career. And, and, and I will tell you that it's, it's a little under three weeks from now. And I am, can you say shitting bricks on? Uh, on, I, on I, we'll, we'll, we'll allow wow, it. Wow, you are. We'll yeah. allow it. You know, you if you don't have a little of that fear in the back of your mind, I think it would be easy to become complacent, and then you would sink because complacency is the enemy. You know, you have to walk out there being hungry every time you do it. You have to walk out there with a little bit of a, a you know, not so much fear that you that you can't do it, but enough fear that it keeps you honest and that it, it, you keep doing the work. I mean, before before we came on the, the air tonight, I spent about an hour and a half singing through the the, the, the concert that, that we are planning to put on in Las Vegas. This was the first time I've ever sung all those songs in that sequence in one in one sitting. And and this was the first time I felt like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to try to do this tonight in the privacy of my own hideout. But I got to first be able to do it in the privacy of my own hideout before I walk on stage in Las Vegas and 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 think I'm going to be confident. This is where you get confidence. You get the confidence on the practice court in the rehearsal room. I just have this in this vision in my mind. I know you're trying to put a vision in people's minds of me in a skirt at Indian Wells, but you're telling me how you're shitting bricks before you're about to do this show in Vegas where you're going to do these things you've never done. So suddenly I'm conjuring up these images of an Ario Speedwagon Cirque du Soleil and you, you know, on some sort of a trapeze with a guitar. And I know it's not that at your age, but I couldn't help but have those things sort of swimming through my head as you were saying them. So I wanted to at least plant that seed. <laughs> What you're suggesting that, that that's what I do? I am not suggesting it at all. I just wanted no. you to know that my warped imagination went there as you were talking. You can grab confidence from the crowd, though, I would think, as an artist, because 
oh, they really are here because they love me and I'm getting confident and, and, and on. So, so that's, that can change for you guys, I think, more than, than us. Well, well, you know what? It's interesting because, you know, in recent years, the the way touring has kind of evolved, especially for, for bands like us that have been around touring for years and years. We go out and we do what we call co-headline tours where, you you know, we 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 team up with, you know, we do a lot of touring with Sticks. We've, we've done touring with Def Leppard, with with Journey, with Leonard Skinner, with Boston, different, you know, bands from our era that that you know in the 80s any of us could have headlined madison square garden and sold the place out now if we want to play madison square garden we're going to co-headline with another band when it's your headline show you know that everyone there bought a ticket to see you so it's a little so but when if we're co-headlining with leonard skinnard you know and, you know, and, and, and we walk out on stage and we see, you know, Confederate flags and, you know, and, you know, and, you know, it, it, it can get a little iffy. So, so we know that we've got to go out there and we've got to, like you say, we have to win them over right out of the gate. We, you know, if, if it's our crowd, we, you know, we, we can, you know, I can construct the set list in a more artful kind of, you know, just to have a little more finesse to it. If we're going out there, you know, with, with a Leonard Skinner crowd, I'd better go out there and lay a bunch of hits on them right off the bat. I'll never forget, we, we played a, a famous uh, gig in Chicago at the old International Amphitheater, which was a big arena, and, uh, and, our, and our opening act was a good friends of mine, uh, 38 Special. 38 Special was kind of a Leonard Skinner, they were Southern Rock, so, so they played their set and by the time we came on, all the, you know those little kind of uh, truck stop bottles of, of whiskey, people had snuck those in. And, you know, back in those days, Southern Rock was about drinking whiskey and kicking that. It's our crowd. We're the headline attraction. Whiskey bottles start flying because these guys, these guys were shit faced and they were like, and, and I think it was their way of showing their appreciation. But our bass player got tagged by a by a a, a whiskey bottle, and it was oh, like no. that ain't fun, you know. No. And, and, you know, as much it may have been a, a term of endearment, but it didn't feel that way to him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I tell you what, this is something that happened to me at the French Open this year about thinking that I'm a rock star, Kevin. I'll see. I want to see what you think of this because uh, Yannick Noah had won the French Open 40 years ago this year at the French Open, and on Saturday before the French Open started, uh, he was given a concert because, of course, Yannick Noah is a massive uh, musician, rock star in France. He's one of the most. He sells the most tickets out of any. French artist and has been doing it for about 20, 25 years. So he actually went, he sold the most record. He's got platinum record. So he's massive. Uh, but he didn't want to play tennis at the French Open. He doesn't play tennis anymore. So he had a concert at a concert. And he asked some of his us thinking rock stars. He asked John McEnroe and John couldn't make it. Of course, he asked me because he beat me in the finals 40 years. And I say, sure, I'll come up and I'll play knocking on heaven's door 100%. So here we are. He starts and there's maybe 15,000 people at the Philippe Chatrier oh Center in Paris. And I'm like, okay, I wasn't really prepared. I was ready for it on the plane, but I'm not ready for it now. And 
And then, you know what? Screw it. I know what I'm doing. Yannick's great. So I go up. So I play Knock on Heaven's Door. I sing it. And I'm, I mean, you would not maybe know that once you start singing, the nerves are kind of gone because then they can hear that I'm really shit. But I don't care. <laughs> the next day, the next day, a British journalist comes up to me and he says, he says, that was great. You, you nailed the guitar part on Stairway to Heaven. Oh, my God. And I'm like, okay, is that a compliment? Or is he taking the piss out of me right now? Because it wasn't that song. Stairway to heaven. I took it as a compliment. Again, I took it as a compliment. I, I, see, see I, I think that's part of the key. One of the keys, the, the other key to confidence is no matter how backhanded, uh, uh, you know, uninformed, uh, you know, ill-advised a compliment might be, you take it, baby, you know? <laughs> Kevin, it has been a pleasure. It always is. We're so excited about your engagement in Vegas. And I know that we can't make it. Uh, the I think it's the 11th and 12th of November at the Venetian, correct? I think, it's, I think it might be the 10th and 11th. 10th and 11th, okay. Friday and, whatever that weekend is, Friday and Saturday. And then, and fortunately, those two, two shows sold out. Uh, Almost immediately, which was which is a nice kind of good sign builder, and uh, so we'll we'll be coming back for a re- for return engagements of a little more, uh, you know, so longer engagements as the as next year goes on, and but of course that all depends on you know people are, are people are buying tickets to this show sight unseen that, that this is not going to be the same concert that you see w- when we're traveling touring around the country this is a completely uh unique and different animal the only place that will be performing this particular thing is in las vegas at at the venetian so uh hopefully it uh it goes well i'm confident that it will and uh, then we'll be back uh be back again in may and in october and uh and that just, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that just keeps me close to home more often, which is where I like to be. And uh, you know, Andy knows my wife Lisa, and uh, and she, you know, she's uh, she's someone worth being around home for, for sure. So. Brilliant! That sounds so fun, Kevin. Yeah, that's good luck with that. It, we're we might be Andy. We might be standing outside there looking for looking for some kind of a ticket to get in, but we'll figure that out. If you could get Kevin to speak to Stamarinka. At, at Indian Wells, Anything can happen. I'm going to ask you to get me an Aria Speedwagon ticket because you got the connections now, Andy. All right, all right, the pressure's on. You know, Matt, I know some of the guys. I know some of the guys in the band. I might be able to. Talk to them. That was just said over the public airwaves, Matt. I think you're set. <laughs> Putting you on the spot, Kevin. That was unfair. My bad. Maybe if your breathing techniques are under control and you're in the midst of like a big night session of preparing for Vegas, maybe you would give us a couple of bars of I Can't Fight This Feeling because you've got guitars all over the room. You talked about it earlier. I mean, you know, we love to close out these sessions with you giving us a little love on the guitar. Is there any way we could, we could twist your arm for some of that? We probably could. Let me okay. see. Here. <laughs> all right, here we go. So I'm... Um, if I'm going to play guitar, I have to ha- I have to play a song that I can play on the guitar. Okay. Uh, Can't fight this feeling isn't one of them, but equally as prominent in our uh, in our catalog is another kind of a power ballad which I wrote on the piano. And a few years back, I was um, I was scheduled to do an appearance 
with um uh oh god the name uh the guitarist from the Sex Pistols um was it Johnny Rotten or no not uh, Johnny Rotten he was a singer the guitar okay. player uh god. oh my mind oh the, yeah, yeah. so embarrassed but but anyway so here we are we're 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 in the dressing room and he says that uh, that that he wants to to play keep on loving you and I'm like okay dude you know I. I, I don't know. Keep on loving you on the guitar. I, I only know it on the piano. He goes, well, let me let me show you how how, how I did it. He goes, he goes, I, I I worked up this song in the shower. So somehow he was in the shower with a guitar. Was it Steve Jones? Steve Jones. Jones. Okay. Yeah, Jones jukebox, okay. right? And uh, and 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 Jones. He said so. He, Get to, I said, well, how do you do it? Show me. So he taught me how to play my own song on ah, guitar. Oh, my God. And imagine, but imagine this. Imagine it's 1981, and you got a guy from Ario Speedwagon and a guy from the Sex Pistols playing a duet on Keep On Loving You. It just... That's classic. What are the odds? I mean, who, yeah. who would have bet on that, you know? But uh, anyway, here's... This is, what, this is what Steve Jones taught me on guitar, and I've been playing it this way ever since. When I said that I love you, I meant that I love you forever. And I'm going to keep on loving you. Because it's the only 